We're live. We're live. We're live. Okay. We're so live. We don't oh sound God. alive, but we are. <laughs> we're so alive. I can't. We're wait. so alive. Yes. I'm uh, welcome to uh, Ready Row USA, our fifth season and our 20, uh, 23rd episode. And we have like a huge cast of characters tonight to uh, tackle this topic of uh, rowing to college, which for for you know we could have put more words in there but it's and there are a lot more words to say right Fran um yes Fran and uh her partner Carmen Marochna is Marochna 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 yeah uh have a, a company called a recruiting consultancy called Rowers Reach and there are experts they did this two years ago when we covered mm -hmm. uh uh, recruiting and and preparing for college as a rower and um, we have Meg hi Meg hi yeah she's Thank out you for having in, me. yeah you're welcome thanks for coming and Meg is a is the parent of a one of uh, Carmen and Fran's rowers is that right who is looking one into colleges yeah. correct yeah, client I guess yeah client mm -hmm. good word um, and then we have Grace Snyder. Hi, Grace, right there Hi, in the middle. Hey, Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I was telling Charlotte, podcast is a bucket list item for me, so I'm pumped <laughs> to be here. Well, if you say that, we're probably going to have you back many, like, over and <laughs> over again. Anytime. Yeah. Oh, always. Invite be careful open. what you wish for. <laughs> and then I'm going to put Kelsey. This is so fun. I can drag people around. Kelsey up on top. Hi. <laughs> Hi Kelsey. Oh, boy. Kelsey is a high school coach. She was, uh, she's the high school, she's the first, no, the novice boys coach yes. at our uh, high school team here where around where I live. And she's a UMass graduate. And uh, she'll be kind of uh, conducting the discussion as host tonight, if you're willing. Ask me if you need any backup, just let me know. I'll be in the I'll be in the background, but um, you and Fran can sort of take it away. I have some slides and you can ask me to advance them or whatever you want. Um, and about in the middle, Kelsey, I'm gonna um, take a little break and tell people who we are. We're, um, we go live to uh, via video, as you can see, to uh, various destinations on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. And then we pull the audio for live streaming or for a uh, audio uh, podcast apps so that we're on all the audio podcast apps so if if you say something about what people are watching on the screen just kind of keep that in mind that not everybody okay. on the podcast can see it so thank you so much for being here everybody absolutely thanks for having us yeah 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 i'm pumped yeah me too um I think, yeah, I think this is a great one to start with. Uh, I think it's really important. What do college coaches want? And that is actually different, um, you know, from coxswains to rowers. I think they're looking for maybe some different things. Uh, Fran, do you want to start? What do you think uh, college coaches are looking for? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are always worried about, like, the ERG score and the video and um, things like that. But what college coaches are really looking for are that you are recruitable or sorry, that you're coachable. That's what they're looking for because 
regardless of what your ERG score is, regardless of what your technique is. Um, coaches are going to put you into their own system, their own training plan. So they're looking for coachability and they're looking for potential. Um, so a lot of students are worried about, gosh, my 2K is not where I think it should be or where I want it. Uh, and we certainly work with our students to kind of get around that and, and talk about what they actually um, what they actually offer. So the other things that coaches are looking for, they're looking for you to be academically prepared and they're looking for you to be admissible to their college. So if you have, you know, not a great GPA, um, then, you know, you might, might not be looking at a, a school that has a bottom line GPA for their admissions. Uh, they're also looking for you to understand, you know, to that, to the, you know, to kind of continue on that. They're looking for you to understand your fit to that school. So they're looking for you to understand that if your GPA isn't fantastic um, and you don't have a stellar SAT that, you know, maybe that those are things, areas that you need to work on or you need to look somewhere else. So um, basically you're making their job easier by having done your homework, by having researched your fit for the school, by having made yourself academically prepared and academically eligible and admissible to their school. And by being coachable and open to suggestions, you're doing the, the work of um, making you recruitable rather than having to have them hunt you down. Absolutely. So that's, that's um, that's kind of what do you think? We, um, you know, that's yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Meg. You're muted. Hi. Sorry about that. Uh, I, I mean, I agree with, with Fran, um, what she said. I mean, obviously, um, in my experience for the past year that, you know, that ERG score is like, I mean, sad to say, not sad to say, but it is really important and it definitely um, gets the attention of coaches and, but, you know, it all, it all matters. It, and communication matters. Um, you know, I have a 17 year old boy. And so these, I mean, these high schoolers, they have zero time and especially junior year when all of this is starting, I think it's really challenging, um, for them to focus on this, but it is important. And if you, you know, if you have a child like mine who knew, you know, from day one, he wanted to row D1, then, you know, you really do he really did have to dedicate time to this endeavor and it was definitely an endeavor and we're on the other side of it now, but it's like, um, keep your, you know, keep the communication strong. Don't disappear on these coaches because as Fran and Carmen have reminded me a lot, they're like recruiting is probably 20% of what they do and what they worry about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so yeah, like, make sure that you're communicating with the coaches, make sure you're sending updates, but yes, be coachable with the coach you're working with now because they're going to, they might be speaking to the coaches that are interested in you or, or coming to see you row. Um, so making sure that you're showing up to your, your team now. Um, and yeah, grades. And I, I just feel for these kids, they have to focus on so much um, in this little crunchy time period. But I think I agree with a lot of what Fran said. 
Yeah. And to add on, I mean, I have a really interesting perspective coming from a walk-on. So I was not recruited athlete. I played sports all my life, but um, didn't really plan to go to college for any of them. I showed up on Rochester's campus. We're a D3 school. Um, I was short and loud and they recruited me on site to be a coxswain. So that worked out really well for me. But um, one of, something that my coach always harps on when we, we do host a lot of um, recruits that come through. I have like spent the night with them, walked them through campus, and I've kind of seen what the recruitment process looks like. Um, and all in all, my coach always harps on like wanting it so even if your erg scores aren't what you think they should be or you don't you know you don't think you're up to par with that school if you really show your coach or the recruiter that you want it and you're excited to be there like you guys all mentioned like being able to be at that school academically and be a good fit is very important but um it really if you bring that charm you bring your personality and you show that you are a good fit for that spot in the team like that personality for me is always a always a heart winner you know so really just bringing yourself to the table in that way is um i same seems super helpful. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I also was a recruited coxswain, uh, which the, there aren't very many. <laughs> um, it's fairly rare. Uh, not bragging, just facts. There's very, not many coxswain spots, so it's a lot harder. Right. Um, but I found that personality was the biggest thing, is like fitting in with the team, even on your right. recruit visit, um, without changing yourself. Like I went to two different officials, and I remember thinking like, God, I don't like this first school. And then the second one, I was like, this feels like home, right? Like I know these kids feel like people I'm comfortable with. And I felt like I was able to be my best self on the recruit visit, which then meant when I ended up going there, like I was able to be my best self and be who I wanted to be, which meant that I could like be my, you know, be my best coxswain self because I was comfortable. Um, I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot. I feel like people go for like those reach schools. I know I had a lot of friends in high school that were like, you have to go to Cal, right? You have to go to UCLA. You have to go to these schools. And they don't necessarily think about what's like their fit. Mm -hmm. And right. I think a coach is really looking for someone who's going to fit with their squad. Absolutely. Right? Like, even if you're the best, but you're, I don't know, not very nice. You don't get along with your teammates. I don't really want to, you know, a sub seven rower who's not going to jive. Like, is that going to make the boat faster? I don't know. Right. When you look like, at there's a lot more that goes into that. For sure. For boat culture, like that, the boat only moves fastest when all eight members and then the coxswain are like willing to push for each other. So that personality fit and that like feeling your jive when you're there is super important in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I want to go to our next question. Um, Meg, what did you think was most successful in the college recruitment, like the successful steps to college recruitment for you guys in your experience? Um, we started early earlier than uh, most people do. And that was just uh, my son, before he started rowing was a competitive sailor. And so I would have friends who had, you know, kids a few years older than him, like just, you know, random people on Facebook that I knew from high school, but they would like, you know, DM me like, hey, I know that you have an athlete, you know, just keep in mind that you like should start the recruiting process earlier than you think. And so I already had that mindset that, you know, I wanted to try and like do that and at least try and, you know, start um, maybe a little bit sooner than, than normal. And so I found Carmen in like one of those Facebook parent athlete groups. And we just started chatting about my son and uh, I just had him start like, a few months before. So I like before he could talk, oh, sorry, before he could talk to the coaches. So June 15th, that date, um, after their sophomore year, you can start to talk, you know, 
two coaches and they can talk to you. So we just had the mindset that like on June 15th, we wanted these coaches to already know who Jack, Jack was. And so, um, yeah, we definitely like filled out the questionnaires and, um, just started sending like intro emails just with stats because it's pretty cold hearted. It's just like stats and here's how tall I am. Here's how much I weigh. Here's my erg. And then of course, you know, talking about like school and, and how you're excited to be part of the program, blah, blah, blah. But start early, I guess, was probably my most successful tip because that's just the way like we kind of work. I know that there's families right now who are just starting who have juniors and that's totally fine. Um, but I felt like that that's what helped us. If that it can definitely take a long time to do the process and to do the process well. So for sure, that's something that we recommend to people that we work with and just honestly, friends and family um, is, hey, get started at least researching where you think you might want to go. You know, there are hundreds of rowing schools out there um, from the D1 to the D2 to D3 and club. And if you haven't started looking at colleges to see what your fit might be, it's going to be a race to the finish in many ways. Um, your junior year, when you're already trying to do so much in terms of your SATs and your um, ACTs and honors classes and uh, AP classes, you know, as any high school junior can tell you, that's a really busy and really stressful time. So the more that you can do, the earlier, the better. And what you're basically doing is figuring out what your fit is, your fit uh, at college, what those colleges offer to you and what you offer to them in return. So you can narrow down your list, even in your sophomore year, and then you're looking to build um, communication. So you're looking to build a relationship with coaches. You don't usually just show up on campus and off you go, you're recruited. You usually have to let them know what kind of person you are. As you guys talked about, you know, your personality, is your personality gonna jive with that team? The coach has to know that so that they can, you know, either bring you into the fold or say like, oh, you know, maybe it's not gonna work out and you need to know the same thing is my personality, are my goals, are the things that I want out of this college rowing experience and the things that I want out of college in general, are those going to be able to be found at these different Then you can start to build those relationships with the coaches and with the team so that you can really narrow down that fit. So and going off of that, early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so going off of that, um, how would you, Meg or Fran, whichever one wants to go first, or Grace, you can jump in, obviously. Uh, how do you uh, start that college list? Mm -hmm. Like, What are the things you look for first when you're like, do you prioritize academics, growing? Mm -hmm. where, so, where do you see that? Yeah, gosh, you know, it is a little bit of both. So in some ways, it's great um, that rowing sort of uh, narrows down the college search because there are, you know, thousands of colleges. So what we usually do with our clients and what I would recommend to parents who are starting to do this job is just to kind of start thinking really broadly. Um, do you want 
a big campus or a small campus? Do you want a campus that's in a big city? Is that someplace where you you thrive? Is that something that's important to you? Kind of think about the things um, and situations where you really thrive and feel good and start to narrow down your college search that way. So that's one way. Um, another way is to think about the level of rowing that you want. Um, do you want to be competing for a national championship? Is that important to you? Um, if so, does it matter whether it's at the Division I level or can it be at the Division II or Division III level? Um, or do you just want to enjoy the sport and have some place where you can be amongst like-minded people who like to come down to a boathouse and work together to try and go as fast as they can? Um, do you just want to develop mastery of the sport and just get better personally for you? Um, so thinking about what you want out of your rowing experience is really important and kind of having a general understanding of the D1, D2, and D3 and what that means and how that might affect the rest of your life. Um, but really also making this list with balance in mind. So making sure that you're not just going for the shiny, sparkly top schools, but that you've got some reach schools, you've got some target schools. Target schools would be ones that, you know, you're right in their wheelhouse. Kids that look like you GPA wise, kids that look like you in terms of um, board scores, et cetera, those, that would be a target score, uh, target school. And then we would call them likely schools. So, you know, maybe that's your state school that, you know, you pretty much you can get into as long as you're not, you know, failing classes and, and that kind of thing. So really making a wide list um, in terms of all of those things and considering your academic situation as well. So, you know, we've had kids um, who have gone to top institutions, top uh, academic institutions, and they've said, hey, the kids that were on that team, they're not studying enough for me. They're not, you know, going to class enough for me. I don't even though this is like a great team and it's supposed to be a great um, university, I'm worried that I'm going to have to choose between uh, being a good student and being um, a good athlete. And is there some place where I can combine those two? So really having a good sense of what you want out of college, what's going to make um, you thrive and grow for four years. That's super important going into the process. And again, like sometimes for some kids that takes a lot of time to kind of think about because you know, we're talking about 16, 17 year old kids. Oftentimes, I don't know about you guys, but when I was 16, I was like, oh, I think I'll be an astronaut or a veterinarian or a nurse or I don't know, you know, like I'll just, you know, go to class. On So really, we ask a lot of questions. We ask kids to think about it. We ask parents um, because, you know, your kid pretty well, usually. And it takes some time to kind of tease out those things. Um, Getting on different college campuses is super helpful as well, even if it's not one that you're super interested in. At least you can say like, oh, this feels really big and a little bit scary. Maybe I don't want a big college. Maybe I want a smaller one or, um, you know, I hate cities as it turns out. I don't like taking the subway anywhere. So, all right, New York City's out then, right? Um, so, yeah, that, and I think that was a lot of talking and I'd love to hear from um, some of you guys about what else you guys would like. Yeah, we're gonna have one more minute. We're gonna go Great a comment break. So, if Meg or Grace, if you want to comment really fast, what you guys prioritized? Go ahead, Grace. Yeah, sure. Meg, um, for RIT, or you're at University of Rochester. Sorry. 
Yes, I'm at Rochester. So I can't speak too much on like the sport front or like rowing front because like I said, I was not recruited. But um, for me, I think you touched on a really like a lot of important points. Keeping an open mind for me was huge. I come from Boston. So I mean, I had ample opportunity to go pretty much anywhere in Massachusetts. We have like a thousand schools. Um, mm -hmm. But I really was just looking for anything different. So keeping an open mind for me and just kind of really weighing in my options helped me a lot. I think something that really sold for me was talking to as many people as I could at any school I looked at. So obviously, like I interviewed and spoke to all my admissions counselors or regional representatives. But um, all in all, like those people are paid to kind of tell you what you want to hear. So going out of your way to find out either if it's an athlete or any student, um, alum, anyone that you can reach that has gone to the school, has some experience that's not paid to tell you what you want to hear. That's where I got some of the most helpful information. And honestly, that's what sold me on Rochester. Like when I went here, um, my mom and I, I was COVID year, so I didn't get an official tour, but we drove up, walked around the campus and I literally stuck my head in a fraternity window, found some kid in there and struck up a conversation. Not, you, not recommended, but it was great. He was really helpful. <laughs> um, anyone that you can reach, get your hands on that is willing to kind of talk to you about some of those like more personal student questions, um, give you a better feel for the school that from not adult I found super helpful that's huge all right Charlotte do you want to come back so we can uh, go through the comments really quickly yeah sure. oh perfect they pop at the bottom yeah I can come in or not I wanted to invite Carmen in at the end for our little group thing if we can so maybe she yeah. if she's willing okay here's uh, there's a couple comments all right. So uh, from Mackenzie, how do you start reaching out to coaches? Also, as a Cox and what stats are coaches looking at that you could introduce in an email? Uh, I think as a Cox, the most important thing is to say who you are, what club you're from, just so they have it on your radar. If you have a recording, attach it immediately. Uh, I'm not yes. saying they're necessarily going to listen to it. Um, as a Cox, mm -hmm. it doesn't. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, friend. You're welcome to correct me, but I feel like it doesn't matter. You can be a great coxswain from a nowhere program that's never won a single race. So the most important thing is you saying like what you've done, what you're working towards, maybe what your goals are. Um, it's more of like a personality kind of thing at For that sure. first level as a coxswain more than um, stats, right? You can't be like, oh, I pulled a sub seven like that. You One, you didn't probably. And two, <laughs> they don't care what your coxswain can pull, right? Like it mm -hmm. matters who you are. Yeah. And I think, you know, poor coxswains, I think your job is sometimes so much harder because there aren't any concrete stats really, aside from, are you the right size? Because I think number one for coaches is knowing that this person is going to be able to be a four-year contributor. So that means you are actually coxswain size. And if that's, you know, for women, that's super tiny. You know, if you're looking at men a little bit bigger, but what they certainly don't want to have happen is, you know, you're not eating because you're trying to stay a certain weight in college. So, you know, number one is making sure you're the right size. And if you aren't, if you're a little bit of a Baker coxswain, that doesn't mean that you can't continue to row in college because, you know, if you're going to maybe the tippy top program in the nation, um, they might care that you're, you know, five pounds over or five pounds under, but there are so many programs that don't care as long as you can steer a boat, because that's the next thing is if you're a coxswain, steering, safety, that's the important thing that coaches, as a former coach, that's what we're looking for is that you're going to keep that boat safe, you're going to keep the rowers safe, and then kind of all the rest is gravy. So for coxswains, in some ways, your job is harder because there isn't as much that you um, have to show right off the bat. 
And that's where it's going to be important for you to really develop that relationship with the coach over time to show that you have checked all their other boxes in terms of, you know, being a four-year contributor academically, identifying a great fit on campus, and that they also can then identify like, all right, this is this person has the right attitude or the right personality or, or what have you that fits with our team. Um, and we want to bring them on. So with Coxins, um, yeah, keep putting yourself out there. I identify what you want out of the program and what you bring to the table. And that's going to be the most important thing that you can do. Yeah. I feel like an email from a coxswain is kind of like an interview. Like it's like, I mean, not face to face, but you really do got to, you have to sell yourself. It's like behavioral mm -hmm. questions that you're being shot. Um, yeah. And you just have to be able to present yourself in a way that's desirable yeah. for a coach. And Kelsey, I don't know if you had that situation too, but um, for a lot of coaches too, they're looking to fill out the rowers and then the coxswain sometimes are like, oh my gosh, now I need someone to drive the boat. And some coaches are like, that's fine. I'll find, you know, a grace on campus. And other people are like, okay, well, I want, you know, for other coaches, it's important for them to have a coxswain that is um, experienced and knows what they're doing to start off or they're willing to spend some money and effort on that coxswain. So it can be hit or miss. And I would say to a coxswain, you know, if you're emailing programs and they're not getting back to you, that, you know, you just keep trying, especially if, it, if it's someplace that you really feel like you want to be and that you, you know, match really well um, with all of their goals and et cetera. So go for it if that's the case. Absolutely. I mean, I think like Grace, like anyone can be a walk on coxswain. I think my best friends and coxswains and colleagues that I was with, I think at least half of them were walk-ons and they did amazing. Um, and coxswain is something you can learn, which is great. Um, I don't think I was last. Uh, I wrote for Jim Dietz, so uh, I think that man is fairly picky. Uh, again, love him, but picky. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Grace. I think it's very much an interview. It's just like reaching out. Um, it can be super awkward. Like anticipate feeling super awkward <laughs> writing these emails. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just go for it. Um, if any of you guys have seen me at practice, that outward bubbly personality, that does not exist at home. Fun fact. That is very much my coxswain rower personality that I like do because I have to be social. I have to talk to you all. I have to do all these things. That's not necessarily who I am when I'm by myself, which is fine. But like, I think that's something important for you guys to know is that you just have to put yourself at who you genuinely are out there. And, and Meg, I think you it. found that even with, with um, your son, because he's not a super outgoing type of guy either, but he was able to reach out to coaches and kind of gradually over time develop a comfortable relationship with coaches so that he was able to showcase his, um, you know, hidden talents, I guess, and his personality came through and they could really just remember you saying like, yeah, they're just geeking out talking about rowing. And he loved that. And I think the coaches that he was talking to really appreciated that too. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, he definitely was more comfortable with the phone calls. I think the emails yeah. were like pulling teeth, you know, um, yeah. But I mean, you know, to kind of start, they're all kind of like a form email and you're just kind of like plugging in the details. So it's kind of like if you can stay on top of it, it gets, you know, you get really used to it. But definitely he's shined on the phone calls. So I, that's yeah. I mean, get comfortable with selling yourself. That's another thing. Um, he did not you know, he did not want to sell himself. And but I we just kept saying, like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like, tell them what you did last week. Like, they yeah. want to know. So get comfortable with that, too. For sure.
Yeah. So speaking about like if a kid's not super involved or even if they are, um, what do you think is the like, proper or I guess like what's the good amount of parent involvement and like what do parents need to be um, kind of on top of in this process? Like what, what kind of role do they play in this recruitment process? Uh, you know, I think we've seen it kind of all over the place where parents have been not involved at all um, to where parents have been quite involved. And I think, you know, Meg, you probably have a great perspective on what your role was as a parent. Um, and maybe we'll let you out, you know, have you speak on that. Yeah, I mean, I had the time I, I run, you know, I run my own business from my house. And so I mean, I don't want to say I took it on as a part-time job managing this, managing my son through this process, but I definitely was like his executive assistant, like, like kept him on deadlines reminding, you know, but I had the time to do that. I have friends who are like, have no idea what schools their kids are talking to. Mm-hmm. Don't know, like if they're a lightweight or a heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's totally fine. It might be. Um, it might be the relationship that the parent and child have together. And that's, that's, there's no wrong answer, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, respect your relationship with your child. Don't like jump in and be the parent that you're not usually. But uh, I think that I was, I probably was on the more involved side of the spectrum, but I have been like throughout his life. So nothing, it was like, he was used to it. He was like, it's fine. Um, and it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you guys were more involved and, um, you know, to that point have already, um, decided where, you know, he's already committed. He knows where he's going, uh, next year. So he has finished the process kind of well ahead of time. And that is not the norm for most students. Um, and not the norm for most of our clients because, for us, we're the ones that are kind of doing that. Um, And so when we're meeting with our clients once a week, or, you know, texting them as is to kind of keep them on those deadlines and to send them those template emails and help them write those text messages and help them with those phone calls. You know, we're not doing it from their, their uh, kitchen, where we get to, you know, dole out their food and stuff. Um, We're doing it from afar. So sometimes the process takes a little bit longer if the parent isn't as involved. But it doesn't mean that it won't necessarily have great outcomes. And sometimes the role of the parent is just, you know, to kind of be the support. Because honestly, resiliency is something that kids really need to do if you're seriously starting out this search. Because you're not going to be a good fit for every program. And you may not be a good fit for the program that you thought you were going to be the best fit for. The dream school that you've had since you were, you know in seventh grade, maybe that doesn't work out for you. And I think Grace, you'd said, yeah, keep an open mind. That's huge because you never know where this research will take you. And as you're developing your academic interests, as you're developing as an athlete, that may lead you you know, down a completely different path than you thought. And I think actually that was the case with um, Meg, with uh, your son, because when we started out, he was like, I'll never go here. And, you know, now that's where he's going. So, um, (laughs) you know, so uh, he was able to keep an open mind and keep developing some of these um, relationships that led him to understand that that was a good fit for him. But, you know, for some parents, it is just being supportive and just, you know, being the sounding board and just reminding them like, hey, keep 
keep at it. Just keep doing it. It's not personal. Um, in a lot of ways, a lot of this is professional because it's coaches making a team that's not just you, the recruit, but all of the recruits that they're looking at, plus all the kids that are on their team now. And they're, they've got to be responsible for everyone. Uh, some coaches are really good at that. Some coaches aren't. Um, some coaches are really good at the administrative side. And so they get right back to you when you email them. And some coaches, you know, got into coaching because they wanted to coach, not because they wanted to answer emails from um, high schoolers all day. And they're just not that great at it. So um, yeah, sometimes parents are just there to, to hold the hand. Sometimes they're there to help the whole way. And sometimes they're there just to hear what the kid is saying um, without, you know, worrying too much about the nitty gritty and kind of hold and walking with them through the process. What, what are we over? Cause Kelsey, I'm interested to know what your experience was with your parents. Uh, so my mother is actually a rowing coach in California. She might actually be listening, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah. um, she is a coach for a uh, NorCal crew. Awesome. Um, and she coached for Oakland strokes for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So she was very involved, but not in an aggressive way. It was very much uh, a hands-off way. Um, where she was like, oh, I know all these people, so you should talk to them because I will yeah. know whether or not you talk to them because I'll get a text message. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually for UMass, um, I fought tooth and nail. The We were on a East, East Coast college tour in a car. Tooth and nail I fought against going to UMass. Uh, I did not want to go there. My mother promised to go visit it for a friend that she would promise to stop by and just go see her. And I was like literally complaining the whole way. I, My poor mother, I probably complained for three hours. And then we got there and I stepped out of the car and I think I looked at her and said, I want to go here. Wow. And she was like, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> so she was very involved, but also, um, I mean, she had that insight. So I was a little bit biased on her end. Mm -hmm. She knew all these college coaches. Um, but yeah, she, her dragging me out there tooth and nail is a hundred percent the reason I went where I went. Um, and I can't imagine going anywhere else. So she was a big key part in that. Um, but she also really forced me to grow up and do a lot of those phone calls myself, which I mm -hmm. was someone who hated phone calls. I prefer an email. And mm -hmm. she really made me do a lot of those. Really so hard. that was a big yeah. like grow up moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I th yeah, we are over, uh, unfortunately. Um, Grace, there are some people who want to know about your experience as a walk-on, if you want to cover that in like 30 seconds before we move Sure, on. I can paint it. I'm a fast talker. Yeah. All right. Sarah, thanks for that question. So as a walk-on, I think my biggest piece of advice was just get used to how horrible it is to not know anything. Like you really, I hate the phrase comfortable with discomfort, but that's 100% what it is. Like it took me like almost a year to acclimate to being in a position in which I had no background and no experience. I'm surrounded by people that have done this their whole life, right? Like I just, I was, I put so much on myself to just be everything that I couldn't be with the experience that I had. So I think my biggest piece of advice would really just be like, let go of some of that pressure, even for recruited athletes. I mean, like you're walking onto a college level and a level that you've never seen before. So yeah. of course it's good to push yourself and it's good to put yourself like under that scrutiny to um, bring out the best in you. But all in all, you really just got to trust the process. And like, I am not a trust the process kind of gal, but it is one of the biggest things I had to learn was that it just, it all comes with time. It comes with practice and it definitely comes with patience. So yeah, quick shout out to the UR crew team and my family that's on this call. Hi guys. Thanks for sending <laughs> and viewing. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, do yeah. you think, uh, oh, Charlotte? Oh, no, no. I just uh, I just wanted to say we can run over a little bit if you'd like to touch on some of those topics that we were talking about earlier. And, uh, I, you know, I, one of the things that we're doing this year with the Ready Row USA podcasts in live streams is 
trying to expand access to the sport and create opportunities for other communities, uh, people of color to participate and disabilities, you know, to participate in this amazing sport. So I just wondered if y'all wanted to have a little go at that topic um, as we uh, kind of wind down. I mean, yeah. I think rowing is such a great sport for it because there's so many college opportunities, especially for women. Um, sorry, men. Uh, but I feel like the NCAA, <laughs> we have a really like, Title IX. Like, we, there's a lot of money in there for rowing. Um, so it's really great for a lot of people who can potentially get, you know, scholarships and stuff to go to college who may not have been able to otherwise. I think it's a really great spot for that. Yeah, and I think um, I'm probably going to let Carmen talk a little bit, but, you know, one <laughs> of the benefits of sport and one of the benefits of uh, continuing on in college to um, play a sport or play your sport, whether that's rowing or something else, is that it gives you a home and a family um, and some place where you have a shared sense of goal, where you have a shared um, language. And so for some kids, you know, that is your support structure. That's your home away from home. Um, and Carmen, I know you have thoughts on that. And I'd love to hear what you have to say. For once in my life, I'm, I'm really just a listener right now. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was fair to flash you up there, but I thought it would be fun to kind of have the, you know, you remember Saturday Night Live when everybody used to come on the stage? <laughs> or they still do yeah. i guess you know I like they, they just kind of mill around they hug each other yeah they do studio hugs you know yeah. do, as far as diversity and inclusion goes one of the nice parts about rowing is that the playing field is so often very level because nobody has been rowing since they are were four um to their advantage anyway mm -hmm. right that a lot like riding a bike you can learn to row pretty easily but whether or not you're upper echelon that remains to be seen as far as you know your your ability to contribute to the sport right but that comes with time and so i think for mm -hmm. you know a diversity that's one of the most awesome parts the other part is with the para side of things fran and i have met with tom siddall who's done a lot of work with um mm -hmm. shayla at the uri and um just even things something as simple as a club foot that qualifies you wow you're now on the olympic stage in a place that yeah. never would have probably brought you in. So I think that in many ways, rowing has grown so much just since the pandemic and that that's so, such an awesome time to be a part of that. Yeah. And rowing also is, as Carmen said, like something that you can just learn. And it's also something you can continue to do for your entire life too. So you don't have to be good at it or great at it or right. Um, you don't have to be competing for the upper echelon. There are tons and tons of, you know, competitive clubs out there and not competitive clubs of kids that are just rowing and enjoying the process of rowing and what you learn by being on the water and working together with, however many other people are in your boat to make it go somewhere you know so it can be such a great sport in that sense too that it doesn't have to be about competition um which is something i've learned as i've gotten older yeah. uh you don't have to go to the practice um but you can enjoy the process right right grace <laughs> just enjoy that process yeah. <laughs> i'm muted i said absolutely you can yeah 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 right well, I started when I was 56 and mm -hmm. it's, you know, I just find it as sport that uh, 
you know, I can't run because my joints won't take it, but I can, I can row, you know, so it is a lifelong sport. Yeah. So I'd like to just touch on, um, you know, thank some of our, our fabulous sponsors. So they are so fabulous. Uh, Arlington Community Media, uh, we get uh, technical advice and equipment from them. They're wonderful, acmi.tv. And many communities have a community media station that you can uh, learn a lot of this tech at and get free equipment. Um, Pierce Press is my publishing company. I sponsor myself. <laughs> Yay. Sometimes we have to do that. Yeah, we do. We really do. I just got a couple of new children's books out uh, this year and uh, or in the last couple of years. And uh, that's fun. It's it's like it's a lot of uh, a lot of work, but it's so much fun. I put them under my pillow when I get it. You know, pr- when they're Aww. printed, I put them under my pillow. I just kind of feel them. But uh, Burnham Boat Slings, one of my favorite companies in rowing. They're the best. Uh, Meg's company is a faster way to fat loss, right? Yes, I'm a coach. Yeah. And uh, we are a media partner of U.S. Rowing. We are at the convention every year. And our website, uh, Ready Row USA, has the 20, 21 interviews I did at U.S. Rowing this year. It was a marathon, but it was so much fun. Like these guys from, um, oh, the... The anti-racism, a long talk. They were there. Oh. We had them. We had uh, Akil Abdullah, uh, uh, Calvin Coffey, a uh, bunch of just regular people and kind of you know movers and shakers. So it was really fun. And uh, those those uh, interviews are on the website at readyroyusa.com. And and. I think Kelsey and Grace probably are single-handedly responsible for our record number <laughs> of uh, live viewers. We had 19. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. So I, I dream of having like hundreds, you know, I, I don't know <laughs> what it takes, to, but like one, one step at a time, but you guys Just keep really making got... more reels, Charlotte. You got to make those reels. It's the reels. It's all the, it's the reels. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how bad it is. Just no, it they just have to move. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. You guys are the best. I really enjoyed this discussion. And I think there's just probably more to unpack about, um, leveraging your rowing experience and getting into college. So if anybody listening really wants to, um, or has a follow-up question, we'd love to have them. And I think you guys would be willing to. Your podcast. Rowers Reach was not in your list of sponsors. I know Rowers Reach. Let's not forget. Oh, Rowers Reach wasn't in my list of sponsors. (laughs) Sorry. We didn't know. I tried to flash it up whenever I could. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, we're going to wrap it up. And uh, I think the next episode that we have coming up is, it's really cool. It's ocean rowing. There's one woman who's doing a solo row across the ocean to raise money for, well, she's, the, she's one of the solo rowers. There are probably two dozen teams, but she's coming in this week. Her name is Lara and uh, something I can't remember her last name, but she's raising money for uh, prostate cancer because her father suffered from that. And um, oh, she, yeah, I remember like, it's been, it's been, 
you know, three months she's been yeah. rowing by yeah. herself oh my gosh. with no yeah. support. So that's yeah. coming up in a couple of weeks. I, we're going to get let her have a cheeseburger and then bring her on. <laughs> all right. Thank you all. Thank you, Charlotte. Thanks, okay. Charlotte. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, Thanks, Bye, everyone.